Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another action-packed, handsome episode of your favorite, favorite rambling madmen podcast, Made Man, where today I just finished watching episode four of season five. Signal 30. And as I finished the episode, I said to myself, what the hell does Signal 30 mean? What what was that? Did I did I miss it? What does it is the is Signal 30 like a, a known saying? Is it something that I missed out on? I am not sure, but um well, we get story from some characters that we don't get to see all that much. Um, our episode opens in a driver's education course. I remember those days of driver's ed. Uh, I don't I don't remember ever seeing like one of those scary films where they make you uh, they make you like watch and scare you straight. Uh, but anyway, it's a driver's ed course and uh, you know, it's mostly for teenagers and um, also for Mr. Creepy himself, Peter Campbell, who, because they now live in the suburbs, uh, needs to get a license and learn how to drive an automobile. I wonder, you know, this episode has a lot of Pete in it. I wonder, should I just stay with the Pete information? Stay with the Pete story. Uh, and it's kind of hard to just do that. So we'll just kind of take you through the Pete driver's ed stuff. Uh, and I think it is related to just Pete in general. Uh, he is not, you know, do you remember that, that's that scene from like seasons ago where he's just sitting there holding that gun in his office. It was at that moment where I, I called him a sociopath and a crazy person and, he he is. It's almost like he's trying to be something. Every time he talks, every time he talks to people, he's like, hello there, well, how are you doing? And all these things, and hey, Don, welcome. It's almost like he's trying to do or be something that, like, well, this is how it's supposed to be, so this is how I'm going to be. Um, And it comes off phony because I think it is phony. So Pete's in a driver's ed class, and I thought it was, you know, for adults as he was uh, checking out this this young woman in front of him. But um, we go to a, another class later on, and we find out, excuse me, it's late. We find out it's not a young woman. It is a girl. It is a high school girl, a recent high school college, a recent high school graduate. So we're talking 17, um, 18 at most. And uh, Pete is like doing his Pete things, like where he talks to you and he makes you feel very nice and he talks to you like this and it's very wonderful and he blah, 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 blah. And this is how I also banged my neighbor's nanny uh, by talking to her like this, helping her with the dress and then taking advantage of her. And hopefully I'm going to take advantage of you, uh, but it doesn't always work out that way for Pete. And I don't think Pete, I think Pete getting sad later in this episode had to do with the fact that uh, he didn't get to have this conquest, uh, but I, I feel like he still did in his mind. Um, 
So this girl, you know, was kind of flirting with him, actually, which, you know, it's like she sees this older guy take uh, paying attention to her and she's being, oh, the yawns, the difficult, terrible yawns. Um, she's she is being flirty back to him, but she is a child, Peter Campbell, a child. And he is like, we should take we should go into the city together. He's talking about like. You know, she'd love to go to the city. He's out of the city, you know, just like normal, like talk at first, but like a little, then it got a little flirtier and you could see, you know, he's a creep. So she doesn't know that, but, but, but we're well aware of Peter's creep factor. Um, he, you know, talks about go, we, we should go do something. And, um, then, uh, in another class, he's like, we still have that, you know, have to take that drive. And she gives her this, like, she gives him this, like, flirty little, like, smile, like, Ooh, you know, this would be nice. Never ask, hey, aren't you married or any of these creepy things? Or aren't you just an old dude? Uh, and then uh, a, a boy comes into the uh, into the uh, class. He's there a little late. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. And he goes up to Pete to give, I'm, I'm really apologize about the yawning. But you, this is, you get what you pay for, obviously. Um he goes up to Pete to give him this information, and, and the girl's like, "Oh no, no, that he's not the teacher. He that's Peter." And the guy's like, "Oh, sorry." And I think at that point, Pete's like, "Oh, people look at me like I'm old now. All of a sudden, I'm old." And I get that. You know, I just recently turned—I want to say I recently turned forty, but that was over three years ago. I recently turned forty-three, and you know, where I work, I work with a lot of people who are younger than me. And when I'm hanging out with them, like talking to them and it's just like, there's no difference, you know, but I am older. So it's like, you, you wonder, like, do they see you as this old guy? Like I have, I have friends who have kids who are close to like a couple years off of some of the people that I've worked with. And so, you know, and they see me as I, I mean, they see me as their their parents friends but do they see me like a, like a different generation and yet i am a different generation from some of my coworkers. but i don't feel that way you just feel like you just feel like colleagues you feel like you're working with them and everything feels normal and then you realize you know you're 15 years or so older than them um but then i guess when there are people that are 15 years or so older than me i don't look at them as much older so maybe they don't see me as old maybe i'm not old maybe i'm young at heart but and that's what P thought. P thought I'm just I'm just a young guy. Let's tie this back into Mad Men. I'm just saying, get this off of me. Depressing. I'm just this young guy who you know um, you know I got a family at home, but I'm still this young cool uh, dude who has lots of money. And um, excuse me. And uh, this girl was very taken by him until uh, uh, a handsome, muscular young lad came and basically. Uh, started flirting with her, and by the end of the episode, they're in a class, and this kid's got his hand up her skirt, and Pete's just looking on like, I'm not going to get you. And we'll, we'll get there with Pete uh, more. I don't think Signal 30 has anything to do with this stuff, right? I don't, I don't think so. So while this is going on, we also have a story with Lane. Lane has, um, you know, he's he's got his wife back in the United States. But the, one of the things that she uh, is happy about is that she's made some friends, some British friends, and they're into watching football at soccer for, you know, us Americans. And they're, um, they're there's going to be a big soccer match. Come on, Lane, we have to get ready for the soccer match. And he's like, oh, 
I don't want to go, and my my lane is awful. I I don't, I don't, I don't. You know, these are your friends, and I don't even care about the soccer match. And um, the guy's like, uh, you know, the 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 wife is like, can you at least pretend to go? He's like, shot fine. I shall pretend for you. And then they show him at, a, at you know this Irish looking themed pub and he's cheering and watching the game and with another couple and then they're talking afterwards and the guy's like you know um aren't you don't you aren't you an account man over at that you know that firm and he goes well i'm more a financier he goes well um you know i'd love to talk to an account man he goes well my name is on the door this guy works for jaguar uh which i love in the commercials they say jaguar and he kind of basically um, made reference to the fact that they're looking for a new firm. So later on in the episode, they go to a partners meeting and uh, Don, do you have any new uh, business? Nope. Uh, Roger, do you have any new, new business? Nope. Pete, nope. Cooper, nope. And then um, Lane is like, actually, I have a new bit of business. Uh, and He's talking about uh, this guy, and he brings it up. And Pete's like, "Oh, this is great! You know, uh, new business, cool. Um, this is good news. You know, we should set up lunches with them." And he's like, "Actually, gentlemen, I believe that I should, um, you know, take this on my own and should, um, uh, you know, basically." Lane wants to run with this because it's a British guy. He thinks he can relate to him more. He thinks he can get to him more. And so they're like, "All right, fine, you can do it." And you know. Um, uh, there's a great scene with uh, John Slattery with, you know, um, uh, oh, my God, Roger Sterling um, talking to Pete, talking to Lane and giving him advice about, oh, you want to do this, you want to do that, how, how to kind of socially manipulate the, the client into, into giving answers that he has questions for so that you have the answers to give back to him um, so that you can kind of, you know, satisfy everything that the guy uh, wants. And it was actually a really cool uh, moment. And John Slattery had some really great little moments in this episode. And he also directed it. I looked it up. Um, he directed it, which I thought was really cool. Um, so Lane takes this guy to a um, to dinner, and it's pretty much a, you know a very staunchy, boring dinner. And Lane's trying to do the things that Roger offered to him. He's trying to find something that you know. Maybe he has a complaint about so he can relate. And the guy's like, honestly, Roger, uh, honestly, Lane, I haven't a complaint in the world. And, you know, everything's perfect. He loves his wife. He loves everything. And everything's perfect. Um, and they, you know, Roger, Lane didn't really get the um, the signing. He didn't get to do with it. So the next day, uh, Roger and Peter talking to him. He's like, actually, I didn't get, you know, it didn't go as a plan, but I, I have another plan. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this differently. And Pete and Roger are like, um, or it's more Pete. He's like, you know, we're, um, we're going to take it from here. We're going to take him out for dinner. We're going to do this. What we'll do is we'll set them all up and then you can come and knock the pins down. You know, why would you take a swing from the tee when you can take a swim right from the green? Basically, We'll do all the hard work, then you can come in and do your British magic and make everything, you know, you can have your 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 bonding over of a countryman. And um, Lane, I think Lane felt that was a little uh, undermining. He didn't like it, um, but he accepted it. And, you know, Pete kind of looks down on, on Lane. You can, he definitely looks down on Lane, as you'll find out later in the episode. Um, and he... 
basically when the, we close the door, it's like he's like Lane couldn't even close a, a refrigerated door or something like that. Something along the lines of this guy isn't here to close things, and we're gonna have to do this. So um, later on in the episode, Pete, you know what? This is where I'm gonna back up before we get there. I'm gonna back up a little bit and go back to some more Pete story. So. Um, Don, I haven't even really mentioned Don in this episode, uh, but Don and Megan were, um, after a meeting, Don, um, goes into the office, sees Megan and Megan's like, you know, we have to, uh, talk to Trudy about this party. He's like, what are you talking about? Trudy said, you're already going. Don, Don's like, what are you talking about? And Pete brought it up in the meeting. He's like, oh, I don't know if we can make it. And Don, Pete's like, you, you can make it. I know you can make it. So Pete's throwing a, a dinner party at his house. And they do this. It was actually this cute little thing where Pete, like, didn't take no for an answer. Says, Trudy said it's all set up. Trudy said that Don already said it's all set up to Megan. And Megan said, well, you said it's already set up. And Don's like, no, I didn't. And he, she called Trudy to try to back out of it. And she didn't take no for an answer. She's like, we'll just keep rescheduling, rescheduling. I know you don't have any plans. You know, we can do this. It'll be great. And she was like, this will be wonderful. Thank you. And, uh, you know, Allison Bree's great. Um, and Don was almost like his head was spinning when he got off the phone. He's like, okay. So um, he, him and Megan are going to go to a dinner party. And Don, you, you could see he just wasn't looking forward to it. He's drinking. He's in a suit. Like a, like a work suit. Megan's like, you need to put a sports coat on and you need to stop drinking. He's like, I want to be ready. I want to answer the door with my chin. In other words, he wants to go to that house and be so blitzed that he, he can't even like, like just so he can't even think about it and doesn't have to worry about it and just gets through the thing. Um, so we go to um, Pete's house in the suburbs and I forget what he called it. It was like, it was like, Cobb or something like that. I don't. I don't know what that is. I thought they were talking about Costco at one point. Um, and Pete's there, and Ken Cosgrove is there with his wife. What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? They couldn't remember her name. I. Um, it was very funny actually the way it it, it came up. Um, Ken. Oh, there's some Ken stuff I need to talk about too. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, um, at the dinner party. Ken, I mean, uh, Ken and uh, this is like, I'm, I'm still awake. Don't worry. Ken and Pete are looking at Pete's cool, awesome stereo. Pete loves the fact that it's a big giant piece of furniture. He loves that it's seven foot tall, seven foot long. Uh, Will Chamberlain can get inside it. And Ken's like, why would he want to do that? And it was just his way of bragging. Look what I have. Check this out. Look at this awesome stereo. It's like there, I, I feel like I'm opening up and there'd be a tiny symphony inside. Um, and I'm wondering, is Signal 30 something to do with symphonies? I don't know. I'm not sure. I have one other guess, but I didn't hear it. So I need to, I need to, I don't, I don't want to, I'd like to try to figure these things out myself without looking it up, um, at least before I talk to you, and I can't grasp it. Um, signal 30 like a, like a soccer thing? No, I don't think so. I mean, a football thing. Sorry, everyone else in the world. Uh, so finally the doorbell rings and there's Don and Don's in a sport coat now that looked so sixties. It's like, Oh, these are like pictures that I remember when I was a little kid. Now mind you, I was a little kid, uh, in the, in the late seventies and the eighties. Um, but I feel like still seeing 
pictures of my grandparents and still see my grandparents in very similar um, styles. Like that they didn't, you know, this is like 10 years later. They didn't grow out of it yet, 10, 15 years. Um, with this tweed, like, plaid jacket and Megan, you know, all done up. Uh, they're all, you know, um, I don't know what I'm talking about, Megan being done up, but they show up all ha- all happy to be there and everyone's kissing and hugging and they still don't remember Ken's wife's name. Uh, so they have a small talk. And this was the weird thing where Pete was so excited to have Don there. And Don's like, what, what, what are you doing? He's like, you're actually here. This is crazy. And it was like, he, but it felt so phony. Like, it just looked like he's like, I'm happy. I'm a man. And also, Pete, you, you already see the hair starting to go. Um, this was not a great episode for Peter Campbell. I'll just say that. Uh, he had some moments in the office where he was, um, you know, you could see he's a take charge guy, but he had some not so great moments overall. Um, so earlier in the episode, Pete came home from the driving class one night and there was, uh, he's in bed and he, you could see in bed, he's just thinking about that girl. That's the way I took it. He's sitting there awake thinking about that girl and it's drip, drip. Drip, drip, and the the kitchen sink is dripping, dripping, dripping. And Trudy's like, I don't even notice it anymore. Pete goes down, gets his tools, get fuddles underneath it, and is all excited because he stopped the dripping. Well, later in the episode, um, they're having dinner, and when they go get dessert, the um, all of a sudden they hear the the girls go ah. And everyone, they're laughing and giggling and they run out and um, the the sink has like exploded and water's shooting out and Pete's like, I'm going to go get my tool chest. And he runs off like a, like a good little boy trying to please everybody and be the perfect guy. Don takes off his jacket, takes one screwdriver, goes on, puts a pan over the, 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 uh, the faucet to stop it, goes under, twiddle this, twiddle that, and boom, he fixes it. And Pete's like, well, what did you do? He goes, oh, there was too much pressure or whatever. It was filling the lines. Pete's like, well, it stopped the, um, it stopped the, 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 um, the drip. He's like, but, it, you know, it was like a Band-Aid or something. It was temporary, basically. It could only hold so long. Uh, so Don came in and took Pete's, uh, you know, in, in Pete's house. He was the, he was the handyman to save the day. So I think that got to Pete as well. Um, now what I didn't talk about is not Pete, but there is a third person we, in the story about, there's not a lot of Don, not a lot of Roger. They're like, they're like orbiting the story. They're in it here. They're in it there, but they aren't major parts of it. It was really Pete Lane and Ken Cosgrove, or should I say Ben Cosgrove? So at the beginning, early on in this episode, Peggy, again, Peggy also, and Joan, Joan had a little more to do. Peggy, just in a little bit in this episode, here, there, just kind of peppered in, um, mostly with Ken, and I have a thought about that. Um, so Ken shows up at a diner where Peggy's eating, and Ken's like, oh, hey, how you doing? And there, he's with some older guy, and he's like, oh, that's, uh, that's Cynthia's uh, uncle. He wants to get into radio. I'm trying to talk him out of it. She's like, oh, well, let me meet him. He's, like, ah, he's really shy. And you could see Peggy's like, okay, all right. She didn't believe him. She knew he was he was BSing her. 
and she thinks he is looking to find other work. And they always talk about they have this pact where if he goes, he's taking her with her. Uh, and she says the same thing to him. So, you know, Peggy's like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Um, he, um, um, later on in the episode, he goes into Peggy's office. She's like, oh, how did it go? I didn't get, I'm sorry, I didn't get to meet your, 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 your wife's uncle. And, um, you know, she basically called him out knowing he was lying. She's like, what about the pact and all these things? He closes the door, locks the door and, and says, listen, you know how, um, how I dabble in writing. Um, I basically, this guy works for a publishing company. Uh, so does his wife. You find out, uh, did I say Trudy? Cynthia, um, works for a publishing company and they're trying to take some of his stories, 20 of his stories to make a collection. And, and Peggy's like 20. How do you have time to do this? He goes, I just, I, I have a drink at dinner and, and, or I'll have a, din- a drink instead of dinner. And by the time I get home, I'm just ready to go. Um, and she was impressed by it. And he goes, don't worry, the pack still stands. If I leave, I'm taking you with me. She's like, okay, cool. Now at the dinner table, um, it came up that he writes and he kind of downplayed it. Uh, and I don't know how much Pete knew about it. Um, but you know, um, they Cynthia's like, this is how we actually met. I work for a publishing company and they kept rejecting him. And I like some of the stories and he talks about some of the stories and there's this robot that works on a bridge and then he takes a bolt out and all these people die. And I was trying to figure out, is there something signal 30 there? Is there something significant there where one, one thing and Don actually showed a little interest in it and Ken talked about it, you know, like this thing doesn't know better. It just knows what to do and it does it. I wonder if that's trying to say something about his work and it's just like he just does his work. Uh, no matter what happens, he does his work. I don't know if there was a metaphor there. I was trying to figure that out. Now, we'll finish out Ken's story here. Ken, um, he, later on, Roger calls Ken into his office and he says, listen, I heard that you're quite a writer. He goes, I thought our jo- I think our job here does enough for you. You know, you, you, your job, your focus here, you have a day job and a night job already. If you do this job right, it should be everything you need. So Roger brings the hammer down on this guy. Like, don't freaking focus on writing creative stories. Focus on your job. And Ken was like, I understand completely. I get it. I understand. And he was, um, I think he was scared. He was obviously spooked about this. Uh, and he goes off to Peggy and Peggy's like, how's it going with the thing? And he goes, you know what? I'm not really going to do this, the, the, read the story right now. Cause you know, I just got reamed by, by Roger. I know it was, um, it was Pete that said something. She's like, how did he know? He goes, it came up at dinner the other night. Cynthia brought it up. I know it was him that, that said something about it. He goes, you know what? Ben Cosgrove is going to go away. I, I, I can, I don't need to do work on the sci-fi stuff anymore. Um, and maybe he said the pact still stands there at that point too. I don't know, but Ken went away, and and Peggy's like, "Oh, okay." I have a theory. You know, they never cleared. They never said who spoke to Roger. They never. You know, we had, Ken assumes that it was Pete. You'd think it would be Pete. Pete was spending some time with Roger. Pete is 
spindly. Spindly is that a word? He's he's um, spineless like that. Like he will go behind people's back. I mean, he went to Burt Cooper to talk about Dick Whitman. Um, so it makes sense that it's Pete. But what if it was Peggy? What if Peggy said something to Roger? Just kind of in, innocently dropped a line. Almost as if she was bragging in, or being impressed or, or being positive. But what that did was get into Roger's head. And Roger then spoke to uh, Ken about it. Um, and, oh, and it's funny. He goes, this, one thing that Roger said was, this job could be everything you need. So I've been told. Or something like that. Where it was, you could see that Roger is is um, seeing... You know, like the writing on the wall that, you know, his his days are numbered and he, he's not as important as he used to be. But what if it was Peggy? That's, that was one of the thoughts that I had um, right then and there at that moment, especially when he says to Peggy, oh, I was definitely it had to be Pete. You know, why would they say that to us? Why would they why would they um, have us think that? I don't know. I just felt like that was put there for a reason. Um, but, you know. Ken's a writer. He says, I'll leave writers to the right. I'll leave writing to the writers. Well, you know what? He's a writer. Because as this episode was coming to an end, um, there was a voiceover, and it was Ken. And he's in bed with a, with a notepad, and he's writing. And maybe he wasn't writing science fiction. He was writing something, though. He was writing, basically, influenced by Pete. Um, I think it was about the guy who has everything but doesn't realize it and is blowing things um, the man with the miniature, well, you said the man with the miniature orchestra. And that's earlier in the episode, Pete was like, you could fit an orchestra in the stereo. Oh, it feels like I'm going to open this up and see a, 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 a small orchestra. Ken was like, that is, that is really interesting. And Ken took that and turned that into a short story uh, with a different name. Um, it was like, I forget what it was, but it was a completely different name. So, you know, you can keep doing it. And really, when you're home on your own time, who's to stop you from doing that stuff? So good for Ken. I hope he just becomes a famous writer. Um, and that's really into Ken's episode. And again, um, Don's episode pretty much ends, for the most part, with... No, it actually doesn't. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm very wrong. Um, so after the dinner party, uh, Megan and Don drive on the way home. Megan, d- Megan's driving. Don is drunk. Don uh, basically seduces Megan to pull over and have car sex because um, she was turned on by him fixing and he was just turned on in general and he didn't want to she didn't want to uh, do this while driving so they just did it in the car get out of my dreams get into my car I didn't hit that one note but that is a terrific Billy Ocean song um, but that's it for as far as Don doing stuff. Like Don's there later in the. No, I'm wrong again. I'm wrong. I was thinking about the ending with Lane and Pete, uh, but no, there is more Don. Damn it! So you remember Lane's guy? Um, man, we 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 are going. I got lots to say in this episode, and I'm not done yet. Oh, well, only 28 minutes or so. Okay, okay. Well, not too bad. Um, uh, thank you for sticking with me. Um. So that guy, that guy that, uh, the British guy, that the Jaguar guy, they want to get this guy. They want to get this guy. They want to get a car. 
Um, so they bring him out for a big lobster uh, from Boston. Big lobster dinner. So we got Don, this British dude, Pete, and Roger, all with their lobster bibs. And they're all eating and, you know, um, talking about the Jaguar. And Don says something like, the Jaguar, you should be coming out of that smoking a cigarette or needing a cold shower. Basically, the, the Jaguar itself is like, you know, seducing you. It's like sex. It's like... It's its own thing. And the guy's like, yes, yes, very good. Um, and the guy, he goes, listen, gentlemen, I'm not going to lie for you. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you pretty much, you know, you, it's inevitable you're going to have my business. You know that. But I thought maybe you'd show me a good time. And Pete's like, well, we could go to this uh, other restaurant. He goes, I'm, I live in the city, Mr. Campbell. Um, so, you know, he knows that this isn't really that good of a time. And Roger's like, oh, um, I have a friend who's having a party around the corner. We can go there. The guy's like, oh, right. That sounds like fun. Now, I didn't realize at the time that that was a code. Signal 30. Hmm. Is that like something to do with, with, uh, brothels? Because that's where they went. I need to look up what a signal 30 is. Maybe it is something. And it happened in this episode. Um, I just wish I could, I wish I knew. Um, but yeah, Roger's idea of a party is bringing everybody to a whorehouse, a brothel, um, a prostitution institution. I just made that up. Um, and right away we see this British fella flirting with this girl, drinking, laughing. And I thought it was just a party at first. Then we see this young, uh, blonde chippy, you know, with her hands all over Pete and then I see a girl show up and talk to uh, to Roger. And then you realize there's a bar there. And it's all starting to come together. Uh, and Don is at the bar having a drink. Um, you see the British guy go off. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go have sex with a hooker. And then Pete gets seduced by this blonde girl. She's like, do you think you could pick me up? Yes, you could. You have big muscles. <laughs> and Pete is like, you know... Uh, he's probably thinking about that girl from the from the driver's ed class because he's a creep, and this 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 prostitute was a young blonde girl also, you know, a little older obviously, but um, they go off and do their thing, and uh, then a girl comes over to Roger, and Roger goes off and does his thing. Roger left his wife for a younger woman, has a new wife, and is still. Well, he impregnated Joan, and now he's with the whores. He is uh, prostitutes, whatever. I, I, you know, I, what do you want me to say? Um, but he, Roger is miserable. Remember that word. Now, Don just hung out at the bar, and this older woman comes by and says, um, "You know, oh, hello, Mister. Hello, can you say hello to Officer Smith for me or whatever?" And Don's like, "I'm not a cop." She goes, oh, okay, well, there's another place down the street where um, you can meet another uh, person. Oh, do you want to find someone here you could meet with? He's like, no. Because well, I have a place down the street, and there's a guy you can meet basically saying, look, if you're not a cop, you, you you don't want women. You obviously want a man. Don's like, nope, I don't want that. He goes, I just, I just, I grew up in these places. I, I know how these are. And she's like, oh, you never grew up in a place like that. He goes, oh, he goes, I thought this was a whorehouse. We called it a whorehouse. Uh, she goes, oh, I see. I see. Um, you know, should we put a TV in here? He's like, no. And she goes, drinks on me. It was like almost like uh, she saw that this guy knew, you know, wasn't a bullshitter and just 
wasn't interested in doing anything. Um, so later on, uh, and that was really in 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 the uh, in the brothel. But later on, we see the three of them. Roger, I don't know, did his own thing or was already gone in the back of a cab. The British guy goes off to his house. He's like, "Thank you for a wonderful night." And then it's just Pete and Don. And Don Pete was all mad because Don didn't partake. Um, you know, Pete. Um, and Don Pete was like, "Yo, you're gonna judge me. This is you, Don Draper, not doing anything. I didn't think I was in the car with a nun." And Pete's like, "You know, Don's like, you have it good. You have something good, and you don't need to do these things." And Pete's like. You know, this is coming from you, Rich, coming from the guy with the second wife. He's like, yeah. And if I had Megan the first time, maybe I wouldn't have screwed it up, you know. And that stuck with Pete a little bit. Uh, you know, when Pete was in the room with the with the hooker, the prostitute, the call girl, the, the I don't know what you want to call her. Um, you know, she she took off her clothes. She's in her underwear. She gets on the bed. And she's like, she basically... Um, she says something like, you know, I'm I'm ready to go. And he, he goes, nope. And then the girl says, she like switches up. She's okay. I can, he, oh, he says, are you any good at this? She switches up and she's like, this is, I'm really nervous. This is my first time, which was very creepy. I really thought that was the one Pete was going to go with because I thought that was the one that made him feel like he was with the student. He goes, nope. And then she's like, uh, you're my king. And that's when Pete says, that'll work. And he goes over and he has intercourse with this prostitute. Um, I think that was Pete's, you know, desire to be the king. He wants to be the king of his family. He wants to be the king of his castle. Uh, Don came in and fixed stuff. He wants to be the king at work. And um, he's not quite there yet. Um, And he was taken down a peg. And uh, I think... Um, this girl just made him feel good and he was pissed that Don didn't want to partake in it but I like this new Don Draper introspective uh, respectful to his wife actually happy and um, I hope it stays I hope it sticks I really do you know as much as you want to see a TV character you know Roger had some great moments in this episode but um, Roger's miserable and Pete said you know, look at Roger, and that's when Don says, Roger's miserable. I didn't think you were. And Pete was like, oh, am I miserable? You know, that stuck with Pete, I think, a little bit. He went home, he looked at his wife, and he just went right into the shower. Um, and the next day, there's going to be a partner's meeting. And... All of a sudden, Lane's leaving, and he gets a frantic call from his wife. And then he storms in to the partners' meeting, and he goes, Mrs. Harris, uh, please leave immediately. And he starts yelling that his wife just called frantically, that the British guy that they took out, his wife is her life. His wife called Lane's wife in tears. Their life is over, uh, and they're not going to be getting their business. Because why? Because they found chewing gum on this guy's pubics. That's what he said. I think he said pubics. And um, so the prostitute left gum in the dude's hair, I suppose. Was she chewing gum when they were talking? That would have been hilarious looking back and seeing that. Uh, and Pete 
Roger and the, and uh, and Don just started laughing. Like they couldn't even they didn't even care. Like I mean, you lose business, great, but they they just found it too funny to not laugh. And uh, Lane's like, "This is a laughing matter." And he's like, "You should have let me do it your way. Why did you want that?" And Pete's like, "He wanted to do these things. He thought you were a homo." That's literally the words he said. Um, and Rod Lane's like, "Enough of this." I'm not going to take this insults from you anymore. Or he's like, you, we didn't even need you. We didn't, he goes, we didn't, we didn't need you the moment you fired us. And, and Bert's like, Mr. Campbell, that's uncalled for. Um, because Pete was basically saying, you're not necessary around here, Lane. Uh, you know, we didn't even need you. And Lane was like, screw this. And he goes, he, he basically says, I'm going to, you're going to answer for what you said. Fisticuffs. Once my fists go up, it's going to be too late. He takes off his coat. Pete's like, "What? Are you kidding me?" And then they 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 take off he they take off the sports coat and they get into an old like fashion fisticuff brawl. You got Peggy and Joan listening in, and Pete gets a couple shots in, but Lane kicks his ass. You know that's just the way it is. And Pete was embarrassed. He was bloodied up a little bit, bruised up a little bit, and um, he was. Uh, you could see that he, he was just ashamed that what happened. And um, after the fight, you know, Lane is in his office and Joan comes in, gives him some ice to put her hand in. And he's like, what do I even do around here? Am I necessary? I like how British people say necessary. I don't even know if he says necessary, but I like it. Uh, and Joan's like, you, what you do is very important. He's like, you could do it. And, you know, and she goes, no, you, you do it, whatever. Um, they look at each other's eyes and then he kisses Peggy. He kisses Joan. Like, what the hell, Lane? You have your wife at home. You had your girlfriend from the Playboy Club. Now you're, you, you don't know what you want in your life either. Minga. Oh, did I use that? That's so local, that term. Um, but oh my God. Like, what are you doing, Lane? And Joan just got up and opened the door, almost like, we're not doing this. He's like, I. Once again, I completely embarrassed myself. I'm very sorry. She said, for what? For what I did. He goes, oh, punching Pete Campbell? Everyone wanted to do that. And that's when Peggy talked to Ken and said, did you hear about the fight? He goes, good. I, I, I would do that, too. He's the, And he, that's when he says he thinks that he told Roger. But I'm not so sure about that. Um, so, really, I feel like that's the end of Lane's story. Um, but Lane's starting to wonder, you know, what is his worth to the department? Do they even look at him like he's important? He has a partner, though. Um, and Pete, you know, he's got this wife, he's got this kid at home. Don, what Don said, to me, should have resonated. Uh, it's lunchtime, and Pete is getting into the elevator. Going, He's leaving. I think he's leaving for the day. And Don's getting in the elevator to go meet Megan for lunch, and... He holds the door for Pete, and he just looks at him, and um, he's like, you know, it's not a big deal or whatever. And Pete, oh my God, I wish I remembered exactly what he said. There was like a little bit of conversation, but Pete just was broke down and says, I have nothing, and he started crying. Uh, and I think Don was like, okay, I don't want to be here. Uh, but it, then it shows Pete back later at the driver's ed course, uh, and that's when he sees the girl with the boy and he realizes that he gets his ass kicked at work 
he says, "Who?" Oh, then he was like, "Who fights at work? It's supposed to be an office." And he's right. Um, you weren't supposed. You know, what were you doing? He was. What were we supposed to stop you to? We'll get in the middle of it. Um, and that's when he's like, "I have nothing," which is bullshit because he's got a, a beautiful wife. He's got a baby girl, and uh, you know, he is a friggin' sociopath asshole, and he deserves nothing. He has everything. Pete Campbell has everything. He has a job. He's got, um, he's he's got influence and power at his job. He's got a lovely wife and a family, and he doesn't see that. He thinks he has nothing. When really, that's to me what I think he deserves. He's not one of these people who is a good person but still doesn't see how good he has it. He is a shit person, and um, you know he thinks that you know, or he he's always trying to have more, have better. Uh, look how giant cool my um, my uh, look at my stereo and even just the way he talks like oh, he's just so see through and then you see him cry in the, in the elevator and you just you, it's hard to feel bad for him it really is um, I feel like that's the end of the episode because then it ends with Ken talking um, about the man with the miniature orchestra and it shows Pete you know, sitting there in the driver's ed course while the girl's getting, you know, fondled by the boy, the girl that he wanted to take out, even though he's got a wife at home. And this is a young girl. And you, you also hear the drip, the sound of the dripping of the faucet. Maybe it started dripping again. I don't know. Or if that was just there uh, as a um, kind of like a mental thing. But uh, that's how the end of the episode ended. I think this was actually a really great character episode. Um, wow, I've talked for over 40 minutes now. It's crazy. Uh, so Pete, you know, banging prostitutes, um, thinking he's got the beautiful, you know, knowing he has the beautiful family, but not appreciating it. Uh, he's got this wonderful house in the suburbs and now he needs to learn to drive. Oh, a driver's ed, there's a girl. I want her. I really want to be with her. I don't know what he would have done if it was just the fantasy of just wanting to feel young. But once he saw her with a really young person, that's when I realized he realizes he's not young. And, you know, a prostitute, I guess, will help. And it's funny. He yelled at Don saying, you know, you judge me for doing my job. Like, this is your job to take clients out and to also sleep with prostitutes because that's part of your job. Um, bull. Bull, bull. I call bull on that. Uh, Roger just had some little moments in this episode, but it was, it was great direction. Great, great episode. Same thing with Don. You know, Don did not partake in prostitution because he's happy now. And he doesn't want to screw up what he's already screwed up. So I think that was really good. Uh, and Lane. Lane just, you know, made a friend, made a client possibly, and all got... Excuse me. It all got swooped out, taken out from under him. The rug was pulled out from under him. And, um, you know, he was so pissed that he beat the shit out of, out of Pete. And beat, Pete says, you're basically not even needed here. Uh, and I think that resonated. That got to him a little bit, too. You know, like, um, am, I, am I really not needed here? And Ken Cosgrove, Ben Cosgrove, the writer, the man... Really, one of my one of my more likable, one of my favorite characters. I'm glad that he was brought into the fold back in. Um, you know, it's weird because we still don't know where Kinsey is. I haven't seen him in years. Um, but um, you know, he might be doing something with his writing, and then it got, the rug got pulled out from under him. Uh, that's my saying of the day. 
uh, he thinks it was he thinks it was Pete. I'm not so sure about that. I still kind of think it might think it might have been Peggy because uh, she she'll do something underhanded if if she feels like it's um, for the greater good, her good. Uh, but that's not going to stop Ben. <laughs> that's not going to stop Ken. It is going to stop Ben because he got rid of that name and has a new nun de plume. Um, I don't remember what it was. It was like, was it like Michael something or other? I forget. Um, but Ken will continue writing because that's what writers do. Writers write. If you want to write, you write. I, I've always wanted to be a writer, but if you don't write, you can't call yourself a writer. Um, and Ken is a writer because he can't stop writing. And he was writing something almost like inspired by Pete, the man with the tiny little orchestra. My friends, I think that's it. I think we've covered it. It is getting late on a Friday night, and uh, I want to get this up for you. I want to get this up for you because I respect you, the audience. I appreciate you, and I thank you as you come along on me. Whoa, that didn't sound right. Um, you know, little sh side note, today's August 16th, 2019. I don't know when you're going to listen to this. Um, I don't know what year it is. I don't know if it's in the future. I don't know if you're even listening to this on a phone. Maybe this got implanted in a chip in your brain. And if so, I just want to, I don't know if I could give you a headache. That was really stupid. Um, the reason I bring this up is that August 16th is my dad's birthday. And it's also uh, my mom and dad's anniversary. And it's also my mom's brother's birthday. Yes, my uncle, who happens to be my godfather. So none of them, not one of them are listening. And they never will. But I just want to say happy birthday to my uncle, happy birthday to my dad, and happy anniversary to my parents. It's a big day in my life. Um, well, I mean, in their life, I guess, but it's also in my life. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. But that has nothing to do with Mad Men. No, 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 no. Mad Men. Oh, I love this show. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I just want to watch another episode right away. Um, but... Then I'm like, I need to talk about this episode. It does help me. It helps me digest. It helps me remember the characters and get into the stories more. You know, this this started off as an excuse to force myself to watch Mad Men. Um, and it really isn't uh, a job or forcing myself. It is like, it is a joy to watch this show. It is so good. And the extra is just I get to talk about it. Uh, or I choose to talk about it. I don't get to talk about it. It's not like there's I get some... I got some great deal. I choose to talk about it. I get to do it on this podcast. And I get to have people like you listen to it. Uh, and the fact that you're still listening this late into this episode, this late into this series, is awesome. Uh, I'm going to continue doing it all the way into the end. And um, I hope you stay along for the ride. This journey that I'm taking into the stars. Um, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but um, let's just say that I'm taking this journey into the suburbs of um, cable television. Look, <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to cough by doing that voice. So um, my analogy of suburbs, I was trying to bring in the episode with Pete Campbell, uh, makes no sense. So I'm just going to say thank you for coming along on this journey with me as I strive. <coughs> To become a made man. Fans, not experts.